0: Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did.
1: Welcome to Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Scotty Hines. I'm a pastor at Generations Church. Alongside me is my co-labor in the gospel, Pastor Jeff Ludditon,
0: lead pastor at Generations Church. Pastor Jeff, how are you, sir? I'm well, man. Thank you. I'm really enjoying doing this with you. So thanks yeah. for doing this with me. Oh, just my pleasure. Having a blast, man. Having a blast. Good. Good. Well, we're on Lord's Day 10. If you are jumping in brand new and you're unfamiliar with what we're doing, maybe you saw us on social media and you clicked on it, you're listening, you're like, hey, what is this Guilt, Grace and Gratitude podcast? What is a Heidelberg Catechism? uh, So here's what we're doing: a catechism is a, a system of learning by asking questions and memorizing these answers. And we believe that these are true as they support Scripture. In other words, so Scripture is what we believe is true. That's what we believe is authoritative in our Christian life. And 450 years ago, as this gospel, this truth of Scripture was getting captured again by the church, they wrote down a system of questions and answers to disciple people. And so, to if that's an unfamiliar term, to just make students out of people, students of Jesus. And so these questions and answers are memorized. They're uh, to be taught from like a father to a son or from a teacher to a student, uh, from a discipler to a disciple. And so that's how we've been doing it. We've been working through uh, each week or each Lord's Day. Lord's Day is a Sunday, and that started off the week. And so it's a week's worth of content. So it would ask these questions and give these answers, and we'll work through the content today. But I'm going to ask them, uh, and Pastor Scott's going to answer them. That's how we work through it. So here we go. Uh, Lord's Day 10 has two questions. The first one is, what do you understand by the providence of God? The almighty and ever-present power
1: by which God upholds heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that leaves and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and unfruitful years, food and drink, health and sickness, rich riches and poverty, and everything else come to us not by chance
0: but from God's sustaining hand. Hmm. The second question says, what does the knowledge of God's creation and providence, how do, I'm sorry, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient with things when things go against us,
1: thankful when things go well. And for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from God's love. All creatures are so completely in God's hand that without the divine will, they can neither move nor be moved.
0: Hmm. That's powerful. Is very that's powerful. powerful. So this is what we call the doctrine of providence. And so I just want to read a passage. It's pretty familiar to people. Uh... Even if you're not a Christian, or in this case, even Jewish, because it's in the Old Testament, uh, you probably have heard the story of Moses and uh, his liberation on, you know, for God, obviously, uh, his liberation of the Israel slaves, the Hebrew slaves. And so if you haven't heard of this, the people of God in the Old Testament, thousands of years ago, have been taken captive and they're enslaved in Egypt. Pharaoh of Egypt is uh, using all of the people of Israel as his personal slaves. And so God hears their prayers as as they cry out to God. God hears their prayers. And he calls a man named Moses and his brother Aaron to go in and tell Pharaoh, hey, I want you to release all of God's people. I want you to release the the Hebrew slaves, right? And so as God is calling Moses to do this, this is... uh, This is right out of Exodus seven, verses two through four. It says this, God speaking to Moses says, you shall speak all that I commanded to you and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, bring my host, the people of the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. So here's the story. God says, Moses, I want you and your brother to go in and tell Pharaoh, let the people go. Let the people leave your slaves, your workforce, your free workforce, I want you to let them all go. But Pharaoh's not gonna do that. So God is going to force him to do that. But there's more to the story and this is the doctrine of providence. God says this in verse three, but I, God will harden Pharaoh's heart. So imagine you're Moses. And I think this is where Christians can learn today. Imagine you're Moses and God says, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let the slaves go, but I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so he doesn't do it. Well, there's lots of questions. Like, well, why not just have him do it? That would be good, right? Like the, the end result is you want Israel out of there. You want the Pharaoh to let him go, but I'm going to go tell him to let him go and you're going to harden his heart, God? I don't understand, Right. But it gets better. He says, And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then, and this is where it gets good, I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. God initiates 10 plagues on Egypt. But in the midst of this story, as those plagues are unfolding and Pharaoh keeps saying, No, I'm not going to release the people, he not only says no, but the Egyptians begin to beat the, the Israelites. They begin to abuse the Hebrew slaves even more than they'd already been doing. And that's all because God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now we read this with thousands of years of history. Yeah, We read this where we get the beginning of the story, the middle of the story, and the end of the story. We know that when Pharaoh finally releases them, he pays them to leave. So when the story starts, they're broke slaves. They're barely treated like cattle. I mean, they're nothing, right? Yeah. They can't own anything. They don't have any riches. They have nothing. By the end, when they leave, as they exit Egypt, they leave with wealth. They li- the Egyptians literally pay them to leave. And so the story is that God providently works his providence, his sovereignty. He causes the hardship, but he does it for a purpose. And in the long run, it's better. That's the doctrine of God's providence. Now, Pastor Scott, you said when you jumped into co-hosting this podcast, you wanted to bring the everyday man, the, yeah. the blue collar guy yeah. to the podcast. And so tell me when you hear all this, what questions are raised for you when you hear that God is not passively allowing life, but he is actively engaging in it, sometimes causing things that are bad for a good purpose, but he's powerfully working in human history. Like, what questions do you have? Man, honestly, uh, really just
1: an honest question is, how does this help me as a Christian? Mm. That's really the only question that comes from my mind. That is deep. That is some heavy stuff you just said right? out of that passage of God, interaction, that whole situation. And how, how can I apply that truth to a modern context? Yeah. You know, I'm not a slave in Egypt. I'm a free man in America. Sure. Um, so how can I look at God's providence and apply it in almost the opposite context okay. where I have an abundance, I'm not poor, I'm not rich either, but I'm not a slave, I'm free, sure. you know what I mean? I'm in my own country, I'm not oppressed in another country. Like, mm. It's almost the complete opposite. So I would say how, does, how can I apply
0: this or how does this help us as Christians today? Okay, that's good. So take it out of, take it out of Egypt thousands of years ago and set it in our context in Western America um, where we have plenty. Even even those of us that don't have as much as we want or we see other people, we think other people are rich, we're rich by the world's standards. Yeah, right? our homeless have iPhones. Yeah, our homeless have iphones. There you go. So and listen, if you're an advocate for the homeless, please don't hate us. But no, there's yeah, a there's a fact there. Like what we see is as poverty, right, is richer than most of the world. Yes. Now, I'm not lessening anybody's poverty or the homeless or anybody's plight right now. But what I'm saying is is we have a lot more than folks in third world countries, you know, in sub-Saharan Africa or something like that. And so um, how does this relate to us? Well, what this is speaking to is God intervening in human history. One example being a very clear example where God speaks to Moses, sends Moses in to Pharaoh. Moses does everything God says to do, but God says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. So God causes the hardness of heart in Pharaoh. He does so, so that the outcome will be on the other end of all the hardship, which is going to affect the Hebrew slaves. They will literally be beaten. Their job will be made harder. They will get less, work more. It will get worse for them. And they will cry out, Moses, why are you doing this? Why are you saying something, man? It was better before you got here. But because God heard their prayers to be liberated from slavery, he is choosing to do this in such a way where they leave better than they expect. So what we have to do is understand the story, then put it in our context. So let me say this. Have you ever endured hardship in this life? Plenty. Okay. So <laughs> when you think of hardship in this life, do you see it as caused by God, allowed by God, or divorced from God completely? I would say initially, um,
1: the, the instance I'm referring to, divorced from God. But now I can, I can say through scripture,
0: allowed by God. Absolutely. Okay. What if I said the doctrine of providence is saying caused by God? Yeah, that changes it. That's a challenge, right? Yeah,
1: because Kay. now God, I'm, I'm, I, have to, I have to accept that God wants to inflict this pain on me.
0: Okay, so, uh, so if we use different words, so God causes affliction, if that's what we say, then we can see that in Exodus I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders on the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Why? Because I will harden his heart, right? Now the outcome, again, let us keep the end in mind. The outcome is all those people leave with the ability to go establish their own place, right? So God has a bigger view. The affliction, it isn't that God is causing or that his purpose is that Israel will be beaten in that moment, or that they will be afflicted in that moment. That's a byproduct of what he does. Now, God's not ignorant of the consequences, clearly. And that is for God in this moment. And I say this, meaning scripture says this, doesn't mean I understand it all or, or, or that I have reconciled it all to my own life. But God causes this, it has a negative outcome for a minute, you know, for a short period of time on Israel. But when they leave, it has such a benefit that it was worth it.
1: Yeah, you even see that the uh, the Egyptians got to see God's glory. They did. And even as time... Like it or
0: hate it, but they did. But yeah.
1: they did, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know that, uh, you had quoted this verse in, a, in an earlier podcast, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. Right? That's a New Testament passage that is often quoted... Partially, we know that God works together all things that are, you know, for the good, right? But not for those who love God, for those who are called according to His purposes. Like, this is incredibly intentional about God's people, not just random acts or occurrences. But this helped kind of put a modern-day context on it. When we go through hardship, we can't just see God as not almighty, right? That God is just passively allowing this. But oftentimes that God is engaging in human history for a purpose. I I thought of this earlier, and I I didn't write it down or look up the names, but I remember, um, you and I both, we remember 9-11, right? We remember when the planes hit the buildings. I remember where I was. We were glued to TVs for days, right? Mm -hmm. Watching all this stuff unfold. Um, We all heard about the first tower. I got a phone call from my mom. We turn on the TV right as the second tower is coming down. We see it. I remember that moment, right?
1: I do too. Yeah. Well, there's
0: that story and I and I don't remember the people's name and there's a, you know, a flight number and all that. There was another plane right where uh, they tried to hijack the plane and the passengers took over, right? And so there's that that famous let's you know, let's roll like yeah. well, let's go get him, right? And there's that famous quote. Well, that guy dies in the, in the in the plane, but his wife writes this book later and tells his story and glorifies God through it. And so so sometimes it is that. Sometimes in this very hard moment Right, where God has caused one thing, or, or or has has set off some chain of events, or has done something, it's for a purpose, right? And that the purpose is greater, right? Now I don't know what the purpose would be in the in the airplane crash thing. I, I know that as the author writes the book, she tells of how faith inspired her husband, and how her husband, you know, even though he died, he caused he stopped that plane. From running into another building, flying into another building. Yeah. And so that there, there's a cause and effect. And she tells it as a positive outcome of their faith, right? When we see this, when we look at struggles in our life and we don't ever see them as being fruitful. But the first question asks, what do you understand by the providence of God? And the answer is that God causes everything rain and drought, fruitful and unfruitful years, food and drink, health and sickness, right? Riches and poverty. God causes it all. But then you asked a great question. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence, that's the second question, help us? And your answer was we can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future we can have a good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from God's love. All creatures are so completely in God's hand that without the divine they can neither move nor be moved. It's an assurance of faith, right? Absolutely. Yeah. How does that assure your faith when you're going through hard times? How,
1: man, I can rest on his promises. Okay. Well, first off, um, and promise, I have the examples. I love that mm. passage. Paul talks about things written in the past All are right. for our learning, right? For our good. And so I can look back and understand if I'm in a context that just seems so oppressive and just, it's better just to be back in that the easier path that I know God is working something out for the good. Mm. And because I'm called according to His purpose, right, and, mm, and I'm called to bring Him, called to bring Him glory. And you know what's fascinating about that Romans 8:28 passage is the very next chapter, Paul goes to break down this whole conflict with a pharaoh and right. God's providence. So it's very applicable. And it's a cohesive theme, it, yeah, extremely cohesive, and it's something we can rest because it's a consistent character trait of God. But the end is always for His glory,
0: which is always at the end we benefit from. Mm, it's good, very comforting. So it's not a passive God, it's not an impotent God, right, who is not powerful. It is a powerful God who sometimes allows causes, initiates things, right, whatever it might be, that end up with hardship for us and and, and some of that. I I don't want to say God is, you know, micromanaging everything, right, but nothing happens outside of his providence. Well, We have to understand he has a a complete goal. There isn't an
1: end, a bookend to the story of life for us as individuals and globally according to Scripture. And so when he is interacting in these things, it's because he has a bookend to accomplish
0: that he set forth. That's good. The second answer, when we talk about how does this help us, right? That was, the, that was your, your question. You said, well, how does this help us as Christians, yeah. right? And I love that answer. We can be patient when things go against us, right? Patient knowing God has an outcome that is for our good and for his purpose, right? Yeah. We can be thankful when things go well. This isn't just when things go hard. Right, that was part of Israel's problem. When they got out of Egypt yeah. and they were free, they forgot God. Right? We're we're studying Isaiah right now on Sundays, right? And and whenever things go well, the people of God wander, right? But then they get bad and they cry out to God again. And that that reminds us that we can be patient when things go against us, but we can also be thankful when things go well. And for the future, we can have a good confidence, right? That nothing will separate us from God's love. Yeah. yeah. John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. They will follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We talk about a security that my salvation is secure, that my life is secure. I love this verse. That I, you, me, all who are in Christ, we are in his hand. No one can snatch us out of his hand. Not Satan. Not You know, this president or that president, not even me or you, right? That we are securely in his hand and that God's got it all handled. You know, I
1: I often think too, when I cross the street or whatever and and grab my kids' hands. Mm. Now, a car's going to hit us. The same damage is about to happen. (laughs) But for whatever reason, I know they feel comfortable and they feel protected. Mm. And so when I read that passage, I think of that comfort I give my kids and the comfort I can receive from God the Father.
0: You know, there's another one, man. I remember being a little kid and my stepdad, we were on the beach uh, and we were running and he's much older, you know, he was obviously older and bigger and yeah. taller and stronger and he ran really fast, it seemed like really fast. <laughs> and I was holding his hand and it felt like I ran faster than I ever run in my uh, life because it was him. He was keeping me upright, yeah. you know, but there's something about that hand, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, man.
1: What a great, uh, great topic. Great promises to rest on and think about. Once again, thank you for listening to Generations Church Podcast. Please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And please give it a share. We'd love it if you share it. And or write a review wherever podcasts
0: are found. For more information, visit our website at genfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Jin Family Church.